Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up for today. Some very interesting stuff. You know, we're going to talk about something that we've never talked about before, and that is the gig economy. Mm-hmm. Got a new lexicon here we're using. Um, and uh, it's very interesting because it is changing the way retirees view retirement. Um, they're diving into the gig economy. So we're going to talk about what that means and how it's kind of shifting the income sources for retirees in retirement. Yeah, definitely di- different than the past. I mean, pensions are going away. So, right. you know, for most people. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Then we're going to follow up with an article about um, financial literacy. Does it really matter? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes, right. it does. Yes, it does matter. Yeah, but. so we're going to share some stats with you out there, and um, we're big proponents of education um, of young folks as well as older folks as well. So um, we'll follow up with that and uh, talk about some stats. It's, they're kind of sobering. Yeah, they are sobering stats. So you want to make sure you don't fall into one of these stats about financial literacy. So that's a good one. All right. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro and have been uh, helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And we are excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly podcast show. We are up every Friday afternoon and exclusively on podcast. That's right. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Not easy to say. <laughs> yeah, you can go to our website, moneymd.net, and um, you know it's gonna it's gonna land you on a page. It gives you a little bit of information about the podcast, um, and also you can listen to it as well. You can go to iTunes and listen to it. You can listen uh, right there from your computer. So a couple different ways to to tune in to the Money Doctors and uh, get your prescriptions. Also, email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can uh, link to us there on our website. All right, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is um, this is a sobering stat as well, Steve. Um, one in uh, every eight adult workers, about 13% roughly, have both a 401k plan and a pension plan. So about 13%, one out of eight. Okay. That pales in comparison to our um, our government employees, specifically the folks in the House and the Senate. 100% of them have 401ks and pensions. Isn't it interesting they can never take away a benefit for themselves? I know that. It, it uh, It's very frustrating. They ought to be aligned to what the people are aligned to. And I don't I don't feel like they are. That That's a that's a stat that shows it. And that's why I felt like whenever they changed the health plan that they should have had to go out and buy their own mm-hmm. health plan on the marketplace like everybody else is doing. Yeah. But they never seem to do that. Never exclude themselves. So, yeah, they have a great pension plan. Oh, that's fantastic. And a uh, 401k plan, you know, you know the, the federal you know TSP savings plan. So I think it's great they're serving the, the country and, and society. Sure. However, um, you got to walk the talk. Yeah, they need to be subject to the same rules that they make for the rest of us. So, um, interesting fact of the week, though. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. You know, maybe it'll change someday. That's a good one. All right, but we're going to talk now about the retirement in the gig economy. Um, yeah, John, this is an interesting article. It's it's out of Investment News, Mary Beth Franklin, um, very recently, and they're talking about you know in the gig economy, freelance work is replacing pensions in the traditional three-legged stool of retirement income. 
you know, retirement doesn't look like it used to 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Pensions are the fast are fast drying up and retirees are having to replace that income stream in some very creative ways. However, it turns out that that three-legged stool of retirement income may not be dead after all. Only mostly dead, right? <laughs> not quite dead because, I mean, a growing number of retirees um, that component of retirement income is just shifting dramatically. And so there are several new surveys out that have suggested retirees are becoming more dependent on Social Security um, as pensions fade away to black and go away forever. And also, I mean, personal savings may be inadequate when based on the traditional readiness measures for retirement um, but there seems to be hope that Americans can still create a secure retirement income that they need um, when the broader measures of household wealth and, and home equity and things like that are, are figured into the retirement picture. Yeah, and you know, Steve, like you, like you said, a lot of retirees, their income's changing. So they're, they're finding pretty creative ways to um, participate in this so-called gig economy. And, and so what is the gig economy, you might ask? I mean, that's an interesting term. Um, you know, it's where more and more people are, are freelancing and they live from job to job or, or gigs. So, you know, they may be driving for Uber or maybe Lyft. Uh, maybe they're swapping free time to run errands for companies such as TaskRabbit. I've never heard of them I before. haven't either. That's an interesting one. Yeah, and then some of them are actually renting out their spare rooms through Airbnb to create some additional income as well. So, you know, they're getting involved in the tech. All of those are technology-based. You know, That's It's allowing right. them to do that. Yeah, so they have all these new options now, which I think is great. Yeah, in fact, I mean, seniors are the fastest-growing demographic for Airbnb hosts in the United States, according to the statistics that are just recently released, nearly two-thirds of all seniors uh, hosts are women, and the company reports that women aged 60 and older are consistently rated the best Airbnb mm-hmm. host in the United States. Um, it's sort of like you know life in Europe, where every nice house seems to be a bed and breakfast, you know, run by an elderly couple. Well, now that's seems to be the case here in in the U.S. using Airbnb. Um, One in four U.S. households has at least one partner employed in the freelance economy, according to new research from Hearts and Wallets, which is a provider of data and insights on retail investors. Um, And their share is rising, uh, rose to 4 in 10, or 40% of older workers aged 53 to 64. And among the fully employed seniors aged 65 and older, 81% have one or both partners working in this new gig economy. That's interesting. Freelancing. Yeah, it really is interesting. There was a report that came out from uh, Hearts and Wallets Investor uh, quantitative database, and they an- basically analyze net worth and income sources for U.S. households. And, um, you know, they look at the changing ways that uh, Americans accumulate wealth and save for retirement. And they, they found that today the three most common sources are, not surprisingly, Social Security, uh, also retirement, um, uh, you know, accounts, taking money from your retirement accounts. And the third one is em- employment in this gig economy. And one-third of future retirees expect to have some type of employment income. And that's up 7% from last year's surveys. So people are, are 
taking advantage of some of the technology and increasing their income. It's a great, great idea. Yeah, it is. And it's great that they have these new choices that you didn't have, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, many Americans are telling us that flexible working arrangements work for them, according to Laura Faraz, who's the founder and chief executive of Hearts and Wallets. Um, We believe the increase in the desire to work is a reflection of greater control over their ability to work. What she's saying, yeah. The report also analyzes the vital role real estate plays in household wealth and its potential to be incorporated into financial advice and guidance experiences for households with less than a half million in investable assets. Real estate represents over half of their assets. Even for wealthier households, real estate still averages a quarter to a third of the total assets. So households you know, may be in better shape for retirement than anticipated using these broader measures of household wealth. And Ms. Vargas says that, you know, financial planners can develop better solutions for customers by understanding the reality of the individual household financial situation that take into account real estate, human capital, children, inheritances, and other, you know, valuables. Yeah. And I think that's true. I mean, you know, you can always... Um, do the reverse mortgage or the you know take out a home equity loan or downsize your house to tap some of that equity. Yeah, absolutely. And there was another uh, uh, survey done by the American Institute of CPAs, and it found that about 45% of pre-retirees expected to work full-time um, you know, longer than they had originally planned. So their plans didn't exactly work out, but 43% of them expected to work in retirement. And we see that. Wow. We talk to people all the time, and, and a lot of times they some people need the money, but sometimes they don't. They just want to be involved in some some uh, facet of business. And, you know, it used to be working throughout your lifetime was once a reliable route to uh, to being comfortable. But, you know, a lot of Americans are having to, to, to do this gig economy to reach your financial goals. Some of them just want to do it to, to maintain uh, an active lifestyle and um, sometimes they have to make, you know, sacrifices in order to do that. But it's a great option for folks. Yeah, it seems that one of the legs of the traditional three-legged stool, Social Security, is also now more important than ever. Um, ten years ago, or ten years after the financial crisis and the recession, middle-income boomers are increasingly relying on Social Security for their retirement income, according to a new study by Bankers Life. The portion of middle-income boomers who expect to rely on Social Security for their primary source of income has risen dramatically from 30% in 2007 to 38% today. Um, you know, there's a, a nationwide sample of a thousand Americans aged 52% to or 52 to 70 with annual household incomes of like 30,000 to 100,000 in investable assets less than a million. So. For those people that are in that kind of middle category, um, you know, Social Security is a huge component. Yeah, it really is. For their retirement. And Social Security was designed, you know, to be a safety net, not the primary replacement for savings or income. And those who are near retirement, you know, they have to consider the various ways they can create future income to help achieve financial security and retirement and augment Social Security. For some retirees, that means jumping into this gig economy in a big way. We run into more and more retirees, um, you know, we sit down with who plan to work, um, but simply just want to change from the corporate grind. In fact, I sat down with a, uh, a couple last week 
who were approaching retirement. And, you know, he was basically willing to work anywhere, just wanted a change of pace was kind of what he was saying. And then I talked to another retiree this week, uh, a pre-retiree, somebody that was a few years out, and we see this all the time. He was talking about, um, you know, he's in his late 50s, and he just wants to retire in a few years when he can draw Social Security. But then he still plans to work part-time, you know, filling the income gap mm-hmm. and just keeping busy. Mm-hmm. So it's more and more of a trend that we see. Um, you know, retirement isn't what it used to be where the successful people retire. They move to their dream destination to live a life of leisure, you know, fishing or golfing five days a week. I mean, it seems people are just, you know, they're healthier now in retirement. They're planning for a long life ahead, but they simply want to change a pace. And you combine that with the need for a little extra income, and that has today's retirees diving headfirst into the gig economy and simply creating their next part-time job, which I think is pretty cool. So it's an interesting development, you know, which seems to be accelerating at a rapid pace for today's retirees. The good news for retirees is that the number of freelance options is increasing every year. With a little entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial drive, you could find yourself creating a more satisfying part-time career in retirement than you ever had while working in your chosen profession. So, you know, that that part is simply good news for uh, today's retirees. Yeah, I had a client that I met with that had some debt they were trying to get rid of, and they were going to drive for Uber during master's. And um, it turned out very, very well. So, yeah, the technology is, is allowing people to do different you know, odd jobs here and there to make income, and uh, they have it. They do it on their time. Right. So well, that's a cool option, really is. Yeah. So something to think about if you're approaching retirement. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this is about retirement. Again, we get a lot of questions on this. I'm 40 years old, and I have targeted a million dollars for retirement. Will that be enough? And you know, we don't have all the the, the data here to to give a you know an, an exact answer, but. You know, a million dollars is a reasonable target. Um, it's sure. going to depend on do you have your debt paid off? So if you can have your mortgage paid off, it's going to make that million dollars go a lot further. Do you have a pension? Um, some people do right. work at this, you know, Savannah River site and some other places that have pensions. That would certainly come into play. But, you know, a million dollars in 20 years is not going to feel like a million dollars today, right, because of inflation. So That's right. that might be on the low side. It depends on what the lifestyle is. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. A safe withdrawal rate is 4 to maybe 5%, you know, 4% on the on the safer <clears throat> end. So a million dollars would generate about $40,000 per year very safely, maybe fifty. But in that range, so can you live off that if you add that to your Social Security, Can if you add that to your pension income, whatever the income you have, that's really what you have to consider. And uh, But, you know, everybody's different. So you really need to sit down and do some, some detailed retirement planning, run the numbers, run different rates of return, different rates of inflation, different income needs, and get a full picture of what's kind of the worst case, best case for your individual situation. Yep. That's right. It's a great question of the week. All right, and that brings us up to our next topic, and that is the importance of financial literacy. Yes, we we see a lot of people who I don't think are very financial liter financially literate. They're not. They're not, and unfortunately, um, you know, we it's just it's not um, 
it's not prevalent in our society. It's not taught in schools, uh, in high schools right. or college. Right. It's a not, shame. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why the educational institutions. Uh, there is a local high school that's teaching at South Aiken, and we actually sponsor that. And right. Maybe may something we look at doing more in the future. But you know, there too few Americans really understand personal uh, financial fundamentals. And you know, if money only came with instructions, and it, it doesn't, right? No, there's <laughs> no instructions on the back of that Ben Franklin, are there? Yeah, that's right. If it did, I mean, the route towards wealth would would be clear and direct. But unfortunately, you know, many people have inadequate financial knowledge. And for them, the path is really more, much more obscure. And, um, you know, the, the stats show that most people are really uninformed about financial matters. Um, you know, the U.S. ranked 14th in the Standard & Poor's 2015 Global Financial Literacy Study with just 57% of uh, the U.S. population uh, estimated as being financially literate. So 57%, probably less than that when you start getting into some planning concepts and some, you know, some of the stuff they, Dave Ramsey talks about, I bet you it's, it's much lower than that. Yeah, and you wonder what they call financially literate, you know. I mean, it always baffles me that that the people that represent us in Congress don't have a basic grasp of economics. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those folks should have to take some serious economics classes to be able to represent us and to be in Washington and to, to be a senator or, or a congressman or, you know, heaven forbid, the president. Um, because, you know, they're all constantly making laws and they don't you, – you get the idea from <clears throat> the things they set up. They don't really understand economics. They don't understand what drives our economy. Then that goes a little further than what we're talking about here. I mean, we're just talking about basic financial literacy. And, yeah, the quote you just, just stated with 57% of the country's population – being literate, that means 43% of Americans aren't financially literate. And that would, I mean, now granted, they have some uh, level of financial understanding, but there's mixed with, you know, a degree of incomprehension. And, um, you know, we've seen some examples. There's a recent study here from Lind Yu survey that found that nearly half of college students carrying student loans thought that those debts would eventually be forgiven if they just didn't pay them. Unfortunately, it's much worse than that, John. You know, even if you declare bankruptcy, you don't get rid of your student loan debt. Mm-hmm. That sticks with you forever. That's right. It's um, it's It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It's a sticky away. debt. It is very sticky. Yeah, and then uh, this year, Fidelity Investments asked Americans a couple of multiple choice questions to see how they – you know how they did on it, and uh, here's one of the questions: If you were able to set aside fifty dollars each month for retirement, it's about six hundred bucks a year. How much would you have at the end of twenty-five years, including interest, if it grew at the historical stock market average? Correct answer was about forty grand, forty thousand dollars, but only sixteen percent got it right. There was twenty-seven percent that guessed fifteen thousand dollars, which would have been the the fifty dollars a month times 12 months for a year, times 25 right. years. So they didn't even factor in the interest. Mm. They completely, you know, they didn't understand the question. Um, another question here is uh, only 42% of those quizzed by Fidelity knew that withdrawing 4 to 5% a year from retirement savings is commonly recommended. 15% 
of those that were over the age of 55 thought a safe withdrawal rate is 10 to 12% per oh year. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be crashing some retirements. Yeah, it wouldn't last that. very long at that rate. Not at all. And then the S&P has returned uh, positive numbers in 30 of the last 35 years. Just 8% of those answering that question uh, got it right. So uh, there is a lot of misinformation. And quite frankly, you look at the news media, they don't know what they don't understand the history and they don't understand financial concepts. They're part of the problem. They are. They are. I mean, they're always trying to sensationalize whatever is happening out there in the economy or the stock market. And I think that continues to cast this this uh, inaccurate view of kind of history and statistics and, and what, you know, what actually goes on long term in the markets and the economy. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, apart from these examples, you know, consider another one kind of at the macro level. According to the latest FINRA National Financial Capability Study, uh, only about a third of Americans younger than 40 understand the basic financial concepts of compounding, inflation, and risk diversification. Those are pretty, that's pretty, pretty important. Those are pretty important, so that's not good. You know, I mean, those are the very basic financial concepts but i mean we see that all the time we're sitting down with young people Mm -hmm. you know they really just don't don't have a grasp of those no they don't they they don't and you know statistics aside i mean think about how the lack of financial acumen hurts people's chances to to build or protect wealth i mean how about the employee who skips you know the retirement plan at work that's getting a match and maybe mistakenly thinks that a tax advantage retirement account is the same as a bank account, or maybe there's a small business owner who's puzzled by cash flow and profit and loss statements, or, you know, young borrower who, who falls, you know, to the, to the grasp of the long-term consequences of credit card debt or loans. And, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of pitfalls out there. And, um, you know, financial professionals uh, continue to educate, uh, themselves and their clients. I mean, that's one of the things that we try to spend a lot of time on. It's one of the reasons why we do this show. Absolutely. It really is to educate, financial education. You know, you have to stay on top of economics and tax law and market developments. Um, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, you may find yourself in an entirely different place financially uh, if you can stay and, and start learning some of these concepts. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the economy, the the Wall Street climate, even the investment opportunities before you could all be different from what you see today. I mean, your financial knowledge is 10 or 20 years out of date. If it's 10 or 20 years out of date and you haven't stayed up with it recently, you risk being at a big disadvantage. So you really have to continue to educate yourself. That's a great point. Yeah. So financial literacy, is it's not about prevention, but instead it's about empowerment. I mean, the more you understand about personal finance, um, the more potential you give yourself to, to make smart money decisions. And, and so I want to spend just a couple minutes about talking about some of the resources that are out there. I mean, there's some really good resources. Um, Dave Ramsey, we'll start off with, uh, has a, a lot of books, The Total Money Makeover. He also has um, a, a course. It's called Financial Peace University. It's a nine-week course. Yeah, uh, it's done in a lot of churches. You can also study it at home. But if you have kids or grandkids and, and you're listening to this, um, what a great gift to, to give, exactly. you know, passing on to the other generations of some of the things that you wished you would have known. Um, and sometimes hearing it from a parent or a grandparent is not as effective as hearing it from a Dave Ramsey 
who, um, you know, he has a, a unique way of communicating to people. So, um, so Dave Ramsey great, is a great resource. There are other people out there. Clark Howard is another person that is a good yep. consumer financial guy. Uh, Susie Orman, um, Ron Blue. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. There's a government resource. It's called feedthepig.org. Mm-hmm. feedthepig.org and I haven't done a lot of research on that website but I hear the commercials and so forth so um, you know if you're listening to this today um, take action for yourself and then teach your kids and your grandkids some of these concepts we're more than happy to sit down with you as well and talk with you also yeah financial literacy is just so critical um, I remember the first time I really the light bulb came on and I understood compound interest and compound returns you know, I was in college, and my my uh, engineering economics professor was talking about compound interest, and you know, went through some examples of how you know if you contributed five thousand dollars a year to a Roth, and that wasn't his example because it didn't exist back then. Yeah. But you know, I mean, he Date gave yourself. an example like that, right? And just talked about what it would grow to. And I was like, wow, how could that be true, you know? And I started doing the math on my calculator, you know. I was an engineer. I was pretty good on the calculator. I started doing the math, and I was like, whoa, you know. I mean, if you start getting this snowball rolling, mm-hmm. it turns into a huge nest egg, you know, down the road. And that just the light bulb kind of came on at, you know, age 18, 19, whenever I went through that class. And that's really the key. I mean, you know, you have to start early, educate yourself, and the light bulb has to come on. And if you go to a financial peace university, mm-hmm. I've seen people go through that. You know, when you sit down with them, they're a little bit different. You know, the light bulbs come on. Yes. They understand the difference between debt and savings and the power of getting yeah. those moving in the right direction for you. Yeah, and everybody that comes in that we talk to that has been through FPU or done some kind of financial course, they all, every single one of them say, I wish I would have had this in my 20s. Exactly. Every single person says that. So, again, if you're listening, call to action is, you know, go teach someone younger, um, point them in these directions, and we can help you with that as well. Yeah, I've, I've talked at high schools and, and talked at uh, college, colleges and, yep. and church groups, yep. too. And, you know, it's always fun to go try to get that light bulb to turn on where they can really see the power of just a huge opportunity. If you start young and you get returns and things working for you and not against mm-hmm. you in terms of debt, you know, versus savings. So uh, it's a lot of fun. So I encourage your kids and your grandkids to go out there and, and learn and give them that opportunity the best you can. So. All right, and we're going to finish up here with the prescription of the week. And that just ties right into what we're talking about. Um, so go to DaveRamsey.com. Uh, great place, uh, a lot of resources, a lot of books. There's things for uh, adults, um, college students, um, young kids, and so forth. But go check that out. Do something with your kids or grandkids. Make that a priority for 2017. Um, you know, That's the best legacy you can really leave with them because if you don't, you know, teach them at some point no one else is is doing that right now. So uh, there are some people, credit card companies want to teach you um, about using credit card debt, and that's not, a good, that's not a good lesson to learn. So prescription of the week is talk with your kids, grandkids, help them out with some, uh, some learning and some education in the financial realm. Yeah, and if you can get them to really grasp the concepts, I mean, all of a sudden you've taught somebody to fish, you know, mm-hmm. you haven't just given them food for a day and – you know, that's a powerful thing. If they really grasp the concepts and they can organize their life in such a way that they're going to be building wealth and they're going to be continually bettering their financial situation and not hurting it. So uh, that's a great prescription of the week. 
All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Please tune in next week and hear us on MoneyMD.net. Hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. You can email us directly at info at MoneyMD.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Associates, a registered investment advisor.